Hello, everyone. So the first reading um, we open the service with from the prophet Isaiah. So I'm going to be reading Isaiah 61, the first three verses. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the, ve the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord, for the display of his splendor. And the second reading from Mark, chapter 1, starting halfway at verse 14, and that's found on page 812. After John, that's John the Baptist, was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near, Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. 
Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, thank you, Jenny, for that reading. Oh, well, welcome, everyone. Uh, if you're new, me too. Uh, but I would still love for you to come and meet me after the service. Maybe we can get together and uh, attempt to get to know some of these wonderful people here at the Garrison Church. Uh, we are continuing our new series in the Gospel of Mark as we start this new stage of life together here at 4 p.m., uh, last week, we had the introduction of Jesus, a rich combination of Old Testament prophecy and some new events. Uh, Jesus has arrived, presented himself as the promised king that the people had been waiting hundreds of years for. But not just as any king, as God himself come to fulfill what Israel should have been and to announce the good news that the kingdom is near. Now, Mark loves to front load, as we discovered last week. He'll keep doing that today, uh, but he will also start to expand on some of those things uh, that we saw last week. He'll help us to articulate who Jesus is, and so we need to keep those Bibles open uh, because I want you to follow along as we work through this passage. Uh, Something you will hopefully notice uh, as I continue preaching here uh, is that I'm really keen for us to treat each book of the Bible as exactly that, as a book. That it uses literary techniques, that the writer is being clever in how they present their points, and it builds. This means that I'm not going to take every point to its full conclusion every week if that's not what the passage does yet, because I want us to follow the text I want us to build our understanding in the way that the text is, so that hopefully we gain a fuller understanding overall. But that will mean that we need to try and keep track, right? Uh, it means that maybe you could have a go at reading the passage again if you have time in the week, reminding yourself of what's going on, uh, and maybe even if you have time to catch up on sermons that you've missed. Uh, let me start by praying for us. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, we thank you so much for the authority of Jesus, that we can see who he is by the miracles that he performs. We pray, Lord, that you help us to learn to follow him each day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, Mark in his gospel, uh, he's now beginning to show us what repent and believe looks like. Verse 16. 
As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And so Mark front loads once again and introduces us to the key response to Jesus that will be exemplified throughout this gospel, especially in the middle section of it, the call to follow him. That to respond to the word of Jesus involves real action. That to respond to the king, that when the king comes, that he brings forth the kingdom, he's not simply looking to be recognized, but to be followed. Once again, the speed of Mark's narrative will help us understand the nature of this. It's quick, it's full, it's complete. They put down their nets, they walk away from their professions, their lives, their father, and follow him. Now, I think in Australia, we become pretty accustomed to kind of wild things happening and us just kind of moving on. Uh, in the UK, everyone kind of talks of us about Australians as being really laid back when things happen. Uh, I think the, the leadership spills that used to happen all the time were a good example of that, right? We became familiar with the Prime Minister changing so often that nurses couldn't use the name of the Prime Minister on concussion victims anymore to trace whether or not they were all right. Uh, they happened so much, we stopped caring. We stopped looking into it. Uh, and we can be like that with things that we read often in the Bible. You see, I think we read over this quite quickly sometimes, when actually what we see here should be a little bit outrageous to us. Why would they make such a drastic move? Why would they do something so irresponsible? There's no backup social system in the world that they're in at the time. They abandon their means of life and they follow this guy. What is it about him that draws this response, that when he calls on them to do this, that's a question that we need to start asking ourselves as we see people follow Jesus. And Mark sets about answering that right now by showing us the authority of the king. Look at verse 21 with me. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he's taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. There's something different about this teacher. There's something different about this guy. He, does, he teaches with one who has authority, more authority than they're used to. And this authority is immediately demonstrated to us. In the first miracle recorded in Mark, which is an exorcism, the casting out of a demon. Uh, remember how I said last week Mark would front load an idea so Mark likes to front load an idea and then demonstrate it straight away. Well, he uses the crowd's declaration that Jesus teaches as one with authority, and then he shows us what that authority means. And that he's not only recognized by the impure spirit, but they fear him. 
They declare that he is the Holy One of God, a title once again drawing from the book of Isaiah. And then Jesus commands the Spirit to leave, and they do. Jesus has authority over the spiritual. What does it mean for Jesus to be King and God? Well, the first thing Mark says is that he has authority over the spiritual realm. Now, Mark moves quickly. He continues as the scene changes, and we find ourselves at Simon's house. I want you to follow this next bit along in your Bibles. I'm not going to give you the passage behind me all the time. Otherwise, that's what you'll be looking at, right? And so he go, we find ourselves at Simon's house, who'd become to be known as Peter. And immediately, we're going to start seeing that this is Mark's favorite word for moving the narrative forward. Immediately, they tell Jesus that Peter's mother-in-law is sick. And Jesus does what we'll eventually all come to expect from him in this. That she, he heals her, he takes her hand, but not just that she starts to get better. You know, she doesn't just kind of start to feel better. He takes her hand, he heals her, and she gets up and starts going about business as if she had never been sick. The healing is immediate and complete. And so for the second miracle in the Gospel of Mark, we have the healing of sickness. For Jesus to be king, he has the authority over sickness. And so after a close-up view of these two elements of Jesus' identity, authority over the spiritual realm and authority over sickness, Mark brings them together. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole crowd gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. See, we'll see that wherever Jesus goes, we kind of start to see elements of the kingdom coming about. Uh, I like to think of this as there's this kind of new creation air. There's kind of a new creation bubble around Jesus as he travels around first century Palestine. That wherever we see him, we see a picture of what the kingdom, of what the new creation will look like. But what is Mark saying here? Is he saying that with Jesus comes healing for all now? Well, Jesus' actions next help us with understanding what is the point of what Jesus is doing here. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had information before that you could kind of decide to keep to yourself or let others know, and that might actually be helpful to them. Uh, when I first left high school, uh, my first job when I was 18, I was in the Australian Army. Uh, and when I was training, we lived in kind of my platoon, which is about 30 guys, uh, we lived in kind of one block of of rooms essentially together and they were split into a bunch of different sections I was in echo section now the guys in Delta section one of them in the guard room uh, had overheard that there was a chance of a surprise inspection the next day and he shared that with all, all of the guys in his section so they were kind of ready and prepared and started going about things uh, this was information that they kept to themselves uh, the next morning, and a sergeant burst through the door and shouted that there was an inspection. Uh, I could have been on the verge of tears as I looked around my room uh, and realized the complete mess that I had kept it in. Now, he'd have saved me. They would have saved us, a load of us in that building, from doing a whole bunch of extra drill the next day uh, if we had been told in advance what was going to happen. They knew something, something important, but they didn't tell the rest of us. Verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up 
left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. This is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. People often, people often ask when they read through passages like this, why didn't Jesus heal everyone in a town? Right? It seems a bit unfair, don't you think? And that's important because it tells us something. You see, it's because the healings themselves aren't the point. It's what the healings show people. What do the healings show people? What do they show us? Well, it shows us that Jesus is much more concerned with the message than he is with the healings. And that this message needs to get out to everyone. That the casting out of demons and the healing of the sick shows us who Jesus is. That he has authority over these things and that that is a strong reason to follow him. And the message of who Jesus is is his priority as he comes across people. That the kingdom which we are getting glimpses of in these events is a place ruled by one who commands spirits, who eliminates sickness, and so is pointing forwards to a coming kingdom and what that will look like. Jesus is bringing hope. And so we come to the leper, which develops this further. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus was indignant. Seems a bit weird, right? And as Mark will go on, we will see that Jesus has no problem with healing someone who comes to him but he does have an issue with not being recognized, with the focus being on the healing rather than on the healer. We will see a bit of this in Mark. And so we need to keep asking ourselves, what does this thing that Jesus has done, what does that tell us about him? He, of course, heals the leper, and leprosy is singled out here because of its implications for the sufferer. Someone who has leprosy in the first century and first century Palestine, well, they can't worship. They're an outcast from their society. Leviticus, the Old Testament law, bars them from being able to enter the temple. And Jesus' act here undoes this restriction. It gives the leper access to the temple again and to his people. Verse 43, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Jesus sends him away to the temple, right? So he can do just that. So he can re-enter his ability to worship and have relationship with his gods. And so we are presented with the final aspect of the kingdom that's being developed today. We begin to see that the uncleanliness of the people that the separation caused between those and God will be eradicated and all of God's people will be able to come to him in worship. 
He will remove the barriers that stand in the way. It's no accident that this particular healing comes after Jesus' announcement that the reason he has come is to bring the news and that he is here and the kingdom is coming. And this is another glimpse into that kingdom. Verse 45. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely. Spreading the news, as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Now, of course, the leper does what I imagine a lot of what us, what, what a lot of us would have done at that moment, uh, which is gone out and told absolutely everyone who would hear what has happened. The news about Jesus is spreading, uh, but this comes with a difficulty, and we'll see this becomes harder and harder in Mark. Uh, I, I once had the, the bright idea over in London, I worked in university student ministry, uh, and I had the idea that if we did free waffles, that would be a good way to attract students. Newsflash, it is a good way to attract students, uh, especially students who've just moved into London. And I thought, well, if we get if we give free waffles and then kind of a bunch of us are hanging out there, we'll be able to chat to people. Uh, two things about that, waffles are harder to make than I thought they were, and it was my first time on a waffle iron. Uh, but also, they were very, very popular. It was very difficult for us to actually get around and talk to people because every time I started talking to someone, they were like, you're the free waffle guy? And I was like, oh, I'm, the, I'm the Jesus guy. I'm looking for the free waffle guy. And I was like, okay, I've made a mistake here with how I'm going about this. A logistical nightmare, right? Now imagine you're in the first century and there's no microphones. And as more and more people gather, we will see it's actually going to become quite difficult for Jesus to do his work. There's a few reasons why Jesus tells people not to tell others about him, but at this point in Mark, we'll see that part of it's just logistical. As you can imagine, people start gathering in, they're coming, they want to hear about this stuff because the expectation is there. Friends, today we are presented with a life-changing king. A king who has come to show us the future that is to come. The freedom that is on offer should our trust be in the king who has authority over sickness, authority over the spiritual world, uh, and who will make his people clean and therefore able to worship him in fullness. It's exciting where Mark is going, exciting to get to know more, to hear more about this Jesus guy, and we start to see why people would throw aside everything to turn and to, in order to follow him. The guy who the fishermen at the start threw away all that they had to follow. And why? Because they are waiting for exactly this to begin to happen. For the kingdom of God to come, to be brought about by the king, because they knew that the state of the world was not right. And they were seeing the signs that it was going to be better and that it was going to be made good again. Now, I think many, if not all of us here, have been touched by something in this passage, especially sickness, either upon ourselves or on people that we know. Uh, the way that our society was brought to its knees by a virus, I think, demonstrates just how much sickness affects us. The loss that we experience when people too young are taken before their time, this passage, though, does not promise healing now. Don't get me wrong, God can do that. And in his grace to us, we live in a wonderful place of modern medicine that often lessens the suffering of what is happening to us now. But that's not what the passage is trying to address. Instead, we are seeing a picture into the future that is to come. 
a future found in the Lord Jesus when he returns and the kingdom comes in its fullness, a day when there will no longer be sickness or suffering, a day when the social outcast will be made whole. Today in our passage, we see this hope. And we're pointed to not find our hope in the miracles, but in the one who is demonstrating his authority over them, the one who will bring about a kingdom without them once and for all. This is the transformation that this king brings. This is the life-changing truth of our passage today, that the healer is here and that he has power and authority over all evil in this world. The men drop their nets and go because they know that this man is the only one that they can find this hope in that the promises of the prophets are coming about as the brokenness of the world is demonstrated to be under his power. Friends, we are starting to see the wonder of this king, the good news that he has come and a glimpse into the wonderful truth of the kingdom that is to come for those of us who choose to follow him. And so how are you going with the things that I said last week? What things are there in your life that take the place of this king and do they have the power, do they have the authority that this king does? Will you keep hold of them? Mark is going to keep giving you reasons to drop your net too. He's shown us today, as he started to demonstrate the authority of his, this king, that he is the only one who can provide a future hope that is truly free from the suffering of this world Will we drop our nets for him? And so this is a message that must get out, that there is a king who has authority over this, that there is a king who brings hope to the world. Imagine what this message of the future kingdom has for people, a king that has shown that he is able to do what no other can. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for showing us who Jesus is through the Gospel of Mark. We thank you for the glimpses into the future kingdom that we start to see here in a king who has authority over sickness, and a king who has authority over the spiritual realm, and a king who seeks to unite his people in, with worship and relationship with their God. We pray, Father, that we would continue to consider whether we too would turn and follow him, whether we have truly dropped our nets, and Father, we pray that your spirit helps us as we continue to wrestle with these things. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.